In his speech to the nation last week, President Biden was sure to hit on big ticket items like vaccination updates, policing reform and infrastructure. But what's the State of the Union really like for things that hit us where we live, like our schools, our kids and our freedoms? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, you know, after President Biden's speech, we've been hearing a lot about this whole push for universal pre-K, and that brought to mind some memories for you of your kids at that age. Yeah, I, I mean, when you think about kids and their earliest years, the funniest moments, the best moments are not the ones where they're sitting at a desk learning things. They are the ones where they're getting into trouble. I was thinking about, you know, this is the age where I had one of my children. I thought it was great. You know, I had two, I, this is my third child. So I had two of them and we were all cleaning up. And I thought, hey, even my third child is helping clean up. And they grabbed a, a electric vacuum kind of thing and they were they were just pushing it around. And I actually was thinking, oh, I'm really getting somewhere. And then she picks it up and puts it on her head. And of course, you know, the wheels spin, grab the hair. It could have been traumatic, thankfully. Um, it was just her hair. And yes, she had a bald spot, but she was not <laughs> injured. Um, but you know, that, the kids at that age are just exploring and figuring things out. And that's what they should be doing. Yeah. And yet we have this continual push for the government to kind of encroach on that and say, well, we need to take responsibility of kids at the youngest ages, not just kindergarten anymore, but now we're going to as young as three years old. And, you know, once the government gets involved in that, that's what's scary about universal pre-K. You know, they're not just doing little fun activities. They're going to be pushing basically indoctrination curriculum. They're in control of all that. Yeah, that's right. And for people who think, oh, it's just a, you know, another voluntary option that we're going to have, you know, and for working moms and whatever, that is not what we're looking at. That's how kindergarten started. And if you're in the Commonwealth of Virginia, kindergarten is now mandatory for every kid and they are going every day and they are beginning the transgender books and all the agenda at that age. And so um, parents really need to capture those moments with their kids. And we need to push back on a government trying to grab our children earlier. And that was a huge emphasis of President Biden's national address, just adding more uh, free education, both at the early end of things and the community college level. And one thing I think is interesting is that our own Governor Northam came out with a statement right after that in response to that national address. And he actually called that a pro-family agenda. So let me just read this quote from our governor his statement said, quote, this pro-family agenda is improving the lives of Virginians across our Commonwealth. And I'm thrilled to see President Biden take these steps at the national level. Victoria, I'd love to hear your thoughts on just the irony of Governor Northam calling that kind of agenda where we're pushing all this kind of socialist programs, the government taking more control of the kids, calling that pro-family. I think after this year of education, which has utterly failed for so many kids where they weren't even in school, we can see the government is not the place for our kids to be relying on to, you know, to think that the government can be a pro-family solution is just laughable. Yeah, what's pro-family is strengthening the actual parents to take responsibility and invest in their kids. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a government that actually believed in parents. Well, going back to President Biden's speech, like a lot of his predecessors, he wanted to use that historical moment after being in office almost 100 days to really tell what he views as his biggest accomplishments. But what so often gets lost in all of that is really the true state of the union as far as what's happening with our families, things like dignity of human life, and really just the spiritual state of the union. So one thing that's interesting is we saw him, again, evoking this theme of unity that he emphasized last time he talked to the nation. 
Um, but this time it was phrased more in terms of speaking about coming together. That was a phrase he repeated a whole lot, talking about coming together to heal the soul of the nation, being united. And at the end, he said, quote, as one nation, uh, one America. Of course, in my mind, I was hearing under God, but that phrase didn't get used. Um, but what do you think, Victoria, is the actual state of the union when it comes to the unity in our nation? Yeah, unity has really been the theme. You heard it when we had the election in November. That's what people wanted. That's theoretically why they voted for this president. So of course, he's going to say it over and over again. But unfortunately, unity is about so much more than just words and tone. It's actually about policies. And what we're seeing in this administration are some very actually divisive policies, particularly when you think of the issue of abortion. Uh, so, for example, on that issue, the president has already immediately restarted overseas spending on abortion. He's also immediately gone back and taken away this this prohibition that we used to have on uh, using baby parts for scientific research. And we know most of those come from, those are organs that come from aborted babies. So um, we're already seeing places where we had things like the Hyde Amendment, where we simply said, we're not going to fund abortion in these type of uh, programs. And yet they're all coming back. So uh, it's a very, very strong agenda in one direction and not very unifying. Yeah, that kind of in-your-face abortion advocacy is definitely not promoting unity, especially when you consider that polls show, they show consistently that Americans remain almost evenly divided between those who are identifying as pro-abortion and those who identify as pro-life. But even when you look at those on the abortion side, it's clear the majority of Americans still want restrictions for abortion. I think a lot of Americans are still uncomfortable with the idea of our taxpayer dollars paying for abortion. Yeah, even people who say they are pro-choice absolutely oftentimes agree that it is controversial enough that we don't need to fund it out of our tax dollars. Well, another thing that's interesting is that we've been seeing news about the U.S. Catholic bishops are debating over whether they have to refuse communion to this president because he's so blatantly supportive of abortion, which, of course, goes against the church's teaching. So they're in kind of a tough position because this is the first Catholic president that has been so blatant in his support of, of abortion after President Kennedy, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I have a Catholic priest here in Virginia that I'm friends with, and he talks about our delegates and he's had some of them in his parish and have to, having to deal with that. And even as, as a Protestant, we think of communion as that time where we go through really a heart cleansing before we take the body of Christ. There were, you know, before we're engaging in that amazing memory of what the Lord did. And I just sit there and think how in the world can you sit in that moment as somebody that's comfortable taking human life? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, another issue our country is really divided on right now is this whole effort to push an extreme form of transgender activism that really jeopardizes the safety and privacy rights of, of women and young girls, not only in our schools, but also in places like our women's shelters and even just taking away equal opportunities in the whole arena of women's sports. Yeah, well, we heard Biden make a big deal about this in the speech again with pushing the Equality Act. 
um, verbally. And of course, there was this shout out that he gave to transgender students where he said, you know, you know, your president has your back to transgender students. But the irony of all of this is they've got this agenda going on one track. And yet sitting behind President Biden are two women, you know, the first woman vice president and the speaker of the house. And they're making this huge deal about how it's historic. But the whole agenda of transgenderism continues to erase all the achievements of women. That becomes really not important if a biological male could sit there looking like a female. It doesn't make any sense. And that's where it starts to feel a little divisive, where he's talking to one group of people saying, I've got your back, um, while other groups are, are just struggling to feel safe in the bathroom. It's like, you should have everyone's back equally, and there should be protection and safety and opportunity for all women, all students, you know? So that's that's where it just feels so unbalanced right now. I think our founders really had this idea that there was a way to set up policies and laws that had equal opportunity and equal protection for everyone. And that was no matter what you what direction you came from, from a different country, what your perspective was, but it was also what your faith was. And when you hear him calling out sexual agendas, you know, LGBT and all this stuff, you sit there and go, what does that mean for religious freedom? Do you have the backs of people of faith who still have real beliefs about these things? Well, here's one thing it means. I just read that the Biden administration has launched a legal battle this month to try to force doctors and hospitals to perform transgender surgeries, even if those hospitals come from a deeply religious background, that's their whole environment, or doctors within those hospitals have deeply held religious objections to that. And interestingly, this action is being led in, uh, by none other than the Health and Human Services Secretary that we've heard about before, Javier Becerra. Yeah, you have to remember, this is the same guy that forced all the pregnancy resource centers to go to court to defend their right to continue to not refer for abortion. He thought we should have a law in California that says these people actually oppose abortion, but let's make them put a sign on their door pointing people to where you can get an abortion. He doesn't really understand religious freedom at all. Yeah, and that's when he was attorney general in California, and now here he is at an even higher level federally. And he's just one of many that President Biden is putting into his administration that are pushing that kind of abortion agenda, transgenderism, politicized agenda. So obviously those things are not unifying. No, not the agenda. And honestly, to your point, many of his nominations were some of the most extreme people in areas of concern. And so, yeah, there's not really a unifying theme here that we feel from a pro-family perspective. Well, I think to bring it around to a positive note, I do appreciate what Senator Tim Scott said in his response to all this. When he talked about the end of the story is not original sin, the end of the story for our nation is redemption. And he talked about the influence Christianity had in his life and a praying mom. So that does give me hope for our nation. Absolutely. Well, it's that time again, time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when our cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Did you ever think we would get to the point where people are actually asking for prayer to be outlawed? Well, it's happening. Let me just give you a little bit of the backdrop here. You know, we've been seeing this escalation of efforts, not only here in the U.S., but around the world to try to ban any kind of counseling or voluntary therapy that would help people struggling with unwanted same-sex attraction or gender confusion. Maybe they just want to seek help for overcoming that struggle, especially if they are coming from a biblical point of view. But we are rapidly creating a situation where the only help you can get legally is to completely embrace those things. 
That's right. If you're a Christian and you're looking to help align your sexual behavior with the Bible or you're a parent trying to help your child, we are fast coming to the point where this is going to be globally outlawed. And a lot of states in the U.S. have already taken those steps, including right here in Virginia, where we became the first state in the South to ban that kind of counseling for youth. And just in the last few weeks, we've also seen movements in Australia, Ireland and the United Kingdom to do the same thing. Yeah, and what they say they're doing is outlawing, uh, outlawing, quote, conversion therapy. But that's misleading because while there have been some fringe and even, I would say, abusive therapy that's happened under that label, now they are using that as kind of a catch-all to ban all kinds of legitimate therapy. I mean, we're talking about just your normal talk therapy and counseling. And it's really becoming kind of a political, convenient way to ban speech of well-respected licensed counselors. Yeah, and this is really coming to a head in England, where Prime Minister Boris Johnson recently said that they're moving ahead with a similar ban. But here's what's interesting about that situation. He tried to reassure Christian groups that it's not going to affect churches or pastoral roles. Yeah, and that was enough to make the woke crowd go histrionic. Let me just quote one LGBT activist who had a commentary in the independent London newspaper. And the commentary says, quote, those who resist legislation against conversion therapy often resist the idea of a prayer or pastoral conversation being subject to the scrutiny of law. However, if these things take place in an overwhelmingly homophobic or transphobic context, the pernicious power of prayer must be dealt with. So let's just uh, stop right there for a moment. He just called prayer pernicious, and that means something subtly evil or manipulative because it doesn't go along with the LGBT agenda. Yeah, and there was even a member of the British Parliament who basically agreed that there shouldn't be any protection for churches. So this is just this just really unmasks the whole agenda or their basic end game that we're, they're trying to get to, which is all part of that movement. It's clearly not going to stop with banning the speech of licensed counselors. It's not going to end until they've shut down churches. And I think it's funny that they acknowledge that their prayer is powerful, even if they think it's in the wrong direction. Yeah, the results of the prayer just might not go the way they like it. That's all right. It's actually hard to make light of this, though, because it's such a strong warning for us here in the United States about where this is going, like you said. But still, it is inconceivable to call prayer pernicious. So I do think we have to give this week's award to liberals and LGBT activists in England for trying to criminalize prayer in church. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget we are stronger when we speak together.